XNO. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Stanley Cup Finals Game 4, Bruins and the Blues in St. Louis. Tied up at 2 as we go to the third period. And responsibilities in this game. Brought back on by Petrangelo. Fires! Rubbed away. The call from Doc Emmerich on NBC. Second goal of the night for O'Reilly as the Blues add one more and win it 4-2. to two. Series tied up at two apiece as they go back to Boston. Game 5 on Thursday night. A light slate of Major League Baseball from yesterday. The Cubs in a makeup game against the Angels. And welcome to Chicago Cargo. Doing it with his bat and his glove. That's a base for Cargo. Baez on his way to third. Out of the deep right, Gonzalez back on it with Hayward. Oh, my. Maybe catch, what a play! What a catch by Gonzalez in his Cub debut. The call from Len Casper on the Cubs TV network. Cubs moved to 32-26 and 26 on the season. The Iowa Cubs back in town tonight after a long road trip as they welcome in El Paso. 7-0-8 with the first pitch. It's dollar dog night at Principal Park. It's Championship Tuesday in the Iowa Boys High School State Soccer Tournament. Class 1A title tilt, Iowa City Regina opposite Waterloo Columbus. Class 2A Cedar Rapids Xavier against Lewis Central. And in Class 3A, 5 o'clock, it'll be Waukee against Iowa City West. High school baseball scoreboard in the CIML from last night, it was East. A doubleheader sweep of Lincoln. Dowling Catholic, a 3-1. Rain shortened victory over Ankeny in a top-10 matchup. Johnston sweeps Ankeny Centennial. Valley and Mason City split. Urbandale takes two from Ames. And Waukee with a pair of wins over Fort Dodge. Full slate of baseball today. 6.05, the White Sox are at the Nationals. 6.10, the Twins are in Cleveland to face the Indians. The Cubs welcome in the Rockies. The Cardinals host the Reds. Hear that game right here on 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Final hour of the program, Zubin Mahente coming up in about, oh, 15 minutes or thereabouts. Lots of ground to cover with you. The press conference in Chicago is uh, underway as Jim Delaney's replacement. It's official. The leak was accurate. Kevin Warren, the chief operating officer for the Minnesota Vikings, will be the next commissioner of the uh, the Big Ten. Uh, good for them, kind of going off the beaten path. That was not a name that had been uh, tossed around, uh, at least that uh, that I saw anywhere. But certainly, a uh, look, he's got the his, his resume is glowing at the mm-hmm. very least. Right, he's got huge shoes to fill. Yes, I he mean does. Delaney was terrific. What uh, will be his top memory? What when oh people, television, BTN? Yes. He was first. He was. He, he got out in front of the posse and something yep. people didn't think was going to work out very well. No, it, it's terrific. He's um, he's done a really good job. And, uh, again, huge shoes to fill as, as uh, well, we'll see if, if Kevin Warren's up to it. You know where I want to go with you? Because it's near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, and that's sports wagering. Yes. Illinois passed yesterday. Now, they are not going to make available uh, Illinois college teams 
on there. You're not going to be able to bet on any college team in the state of Illinois. At all. So Illini, no. Northwestern, Loyola. Done. All of them. Yep. Awesome off Football, the list. basketball, they will not be on the list. So I guess it, it got me to thinking is, you know, if you, if you mean if you, if you have to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can clearly be able to cross the border here into Iowa. What, what bordering state that is not going to have sports is going to have the biggest caravan of people from that residence of that state coming into our state because they have to fire. Because they have to get their wager down. I, right. I think the answer is relatively easy. So the surrounding states. Well, you have Minnesota, the north. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Kind of to the north. They are to the north. Northeast. Yeah, northeast, yep. Yeah. And they're not too far from Clinton. No. Illinois, you're going to be able to bet sports. Dubuque, just not Dubuque to... is close, too. Yeah, but you can't, you can't bet. There's no, is there a casino there? Yes. Yeah, there is, right. Yeah. Yes, there is. Yep. <clears throat> good, 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 good call. Trent. So that'll be Wisconsin yep. for them. Uh, Dubuque will go for Wisconsin. You got Quad Cities for Illinois. Also, you got Dubuque also there, mm-hmm. right in the corner. Missouri to the south, and then Nebraska, the west. Well, I, I believe the answer would be in terms of total bets wagered from somebody. It'd have to be Nebraska. It's because of the, uh, the proximity to Council Omaha. Bluffs. Yeah. You have a Trent, huge that bridge is going to be packed. Yeah. Now, if Minneapolis was right on the border. Oh, of course, that would be the answer. Right. But because Omaha is the one on the border yeah. with the biggest, yeah. that would be, I think, the easiest answer. And you know what? Minnesota eventually will get it. Mm-hmm. I don't think Nebraska will ever have sports wagering. Really? Why you that? Can't, just because they, they're against it. They're, the, you, can't, you can't, at least you couldn't. Open up an account to bet on horses as a resident of Nebraska. Wow. Now, that might have changed in the last couple of years, but last time I checked, it hadn't yet. Okay. And that's perfectly legal in most states. I mean, there are right. very few states that uh, uh, does not offer that to the residents. Nebraska will be last. I just uh, the, the church is very powerful over there. The anti-gaming folks uh, are well organized. I just don't think that they will... Um, Ever, well, ever's a long time. It'll be a long time before it becomes legal. And the two casinos over in Council Bluffs, it's a bonanza. Oh, absolutely. A bonanza. They had to be incredibly happy about that. And again, as we've talked about with the Iowa and Iowa point spreads, the Nebraska point spread is going to be different at those casinos. I almost guarantee. Excellent point. Then it will be here. Then it will be in Eastern Iowa, Mm -hmm. Northern Iowa, wherever else. Because of the disproportionate amount of money that's coming in on Big Red. Same thing in Sioux City at the Hard Uh Rock there. It will be exact. Have you heard who the Hard Rock, I was in Sioux City. They were the last, last I, last I heard, they were the last casino that had yet to form a partnership. This was as of two weeks ago. Okay. With a sports wagering company. Why is that, Diaz? I don't know. I don't know what they're, what they're, um, I don't know the answer. I got a couple of things talking a lot of casinos. A lot of people had sports wagering questions while I was there, too. And that Hard Rock Casino, guess how many hotel rooms are inside of it? I have no idea. 55. 55. That was the minimum that they could put in. <laughs> really? To be a Hard Rock yeah. Casino is 55. Yeah, and they're not affiliated with the other Hard Rocks. It's right. name only, right? That's right. It's, yeah. it's just a, a branding type uh-huh. thing. That they have there. Now, they have a lot of concerts there. Mm-hmm. They're looking to change some things there. Yeah, didn't I see that uh, uh, there's a big country name that was involved in a big wreck going? Travis Tritt's bus getting a wreck? Oh, really? I think within the last couple of weeks, I saw that in one uh, somewhere online. Heading to Sioux City? Yes, headed to the Hard Rock. 
Interesting. Uh-huh. But they're looking to maybe change. They have a, basically kind of an outdoor area back behind to change that. They're looking to expand, and the reason for it, mm-hmm. one thing, mm-hmm. sports wagering. They think it's, um, well, it's going to bring more people. Certainly going to bring a whole bunch of Nebraska people. How many people get to Northwood as I stopped up on my way up to the Final Four in beautiful Northwood at the casino there? How many Minnesotans do you think? So where's Northwood? Northwood is the first casino, the casino right as you're coming in on 35. Oh, that's the, that used yes, to be the, the rest top, stop. Top of Iowa. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Austin, Albert Lee, you know, that area. That's people not far come. away. Yeah. Rochester, maybe. A little bit, sure. Probably looking to touch over an hour there. But yeah, it's not easy. You can't go and open it up an account and, and wager. And on, then wager from your right, couch. Because it, it sh- your phone shuts down due mm-hmm. to the, what do they call it? GPS. Geofencing. Geofencing, yes. Yep. As soon as you, as soon as you cross the border, like within a foot. Yes. Um, you tried that out, right? Yes. You can't do it. You can't do it. Yeah, because of that, how many people from the cities? I mean, speaking just of foot traffic, is there going to be every football Sunday 200 people that come down from the cities to wager? Is that 50? Mm, say. I mean, it's just, it's kind of guesswork here, but. Well, I know Saturdays are going to be crazy. Well, the, the week leading up to Saturdays in Nebraska, mm-hmm. I mean, at Council Bluffs, it's yes. going to be a madhouse. Going to be a madhouse of people coming over to bet. Dubuque, all the Packers fans mm-hmm. and Badger fans, they'll be coming mm-hmm. over. But that Minnesota one's weird because it's more of a professional market. Right. Is North Iowa going so to have is more. Clint, Clinton's by the. Um, that's South Clinton. Not, not Clinton. Uh, Emmitsburg is by the um, by the Minnesota border, right? It is, but it's further west. You're, is it further west? You're about an hour off of 35. Okay. So what would be the city uh, across the... Is, is there a... No. Not Albert Lee. There's no. nothing up there, is there? No, no. Albert Lee's right on yeah, 35. You know. It is. Yeah. I love you're, that drive going over, the, going over the lake itself. Yes. It's very picturesque. Reminds me of home. I got to get up to Minneapolis this summer for a Twins game. I, I would hate to miss a Twins game well, Especially when this they're this summer. good. Yes. Uh, speaking of good, although it's not good if you're a Big 12 fan, the uh, the new bull ties came out yesterday. You know what you just jumped off when you looked at all the Power 5 conferences and their bull ties? Just how pathetic the Big 12 is. It is pathetic, Trent. Doesn't do much for you. Oh, huh? there's some stinkers on there. You know, all of those, all of those, uh, there was, some, there was some movement as far as, you know, Bulls, uh, giving up, uh, conference affiliates. But the Big 12, did they, there's no news here, right? With them? No, it, it's same old, same old. I guess the Cheez It Bowl that they've been a part of, the old Insight Bowl, back to a Big 10 versus Big 12 game, which is okay. Yeah. I mean, possibility, though highly doubtful. That we'll see. We could see an Iowa Iowa State bowl game, but that would be the only destination for that. Plus, it's a college football playoff game, right? Probably not going to hold our breath no, on that one. No, no, don't. Do so, that. you know, I, I've for years. I think Scott Doctorman is the first one I heard bring this up. Why doesn't St. Louis have a bowl? Yes, have a bowl mm-hmm. and have it be Big Twelve versus Big Ten. Perfect or SEC. Maybe a three-way tie-in between mm-hmm. because of the Missouri make, tie. Could, yeah, clearly, yeah, it make a ton of sense to do something like that. Alas. It hasn't happened. New bowl games coming in 2020. What is the new one? There's an L.A. Bowl, right? There's a Fenway Park Bowl. Fenway Park, yep, that's the other one. Uh, L.A.'s going to have, are they going to have one or two? I think they're going to have two uh, in the new uh, Rams slash Chargers facility. Vegas has two, and the Big Ten tie-in. You know what? I'm excited about the Big Ten tie-in maybe as much as Vegas. Is the Belk Bowl. The Belk Bowl. I don't know why. I've always, the, the Belk Bowl is, maybe it's because it's Charlotte, North Carolina. It's in an NFL stadium, the mm-hmm. home of the Panthers. Uh, I've never been to that part of the country. It's a great game, seemingly, every year. It is pretty good game. Belk is a, a department store, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Like Yonkers. Right. Um, 
Yeah, so that that kind of floated my boat a little bit, as did the Vegas tie-in. Uh, they lose, what, the Big Ten loses the Holiday Bowl? Mm-hmm. Which is no big loss. So last chance for Hawkeye fans this year, maybe to get out to San Diego? And, and Trent, everything that I've seen... A lot of bold projections have them just there. That's exactly where I was uh, forecast to be. Eight and four, and San Diego for the first time in almost three decades. Yeah, you know what? I don't. There's there's worse places to go in the world than San Diego. I know it's a late game, you know, but it's fine. But you're there. You're right. You're in San Diego. It's spectacular. And here it's freezing cold in December. You're in San Diego. Have you spent much time there? I've never been to San Diego. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Yeah, everything I've heard. I have a friend that lives there. Another one that I need to cross off the list. Maybe that'd be a perfect opportunity to do it in right. December. Camp on his couch and go watch the Hawks. Yes. Uh, that is still a, is that a Pac-12? Yes. I mean, it's still, it's going to remain for the Pac-12, but who takes their spot going forward? Do you remember? Oh, in the Holiday Bowl? Yeah, in the Holiday forward? Bowl. Oh, ACC. Is it ACC? Yep, ACC. Which It'll doesn't be... make a lot of sense. Looks like it's the fourth selection out of the ACC group after the Orange Camping World, the uh, one in Orlando, and the Belk Bowl. Yeah, the Camping World's high up on the pecking order as far as Big 12 teams. Well, and, and I always get a kick out of the back and forth on Cyhawk Twitter. Oh, New Year's yeah, they, games. Yeah, they don't mean those, much anymore. It's the bowl lineup for the Big 12. They're, right. It's, the opportunities are there. It's got awful. Yeah. There isn't one, is there, unless they play in the Sugar Bowl. Right. That's it. That's your chance for uh-huh. college football playoff. Right. And it happens to be in January as opposed to December. It'll be December this year. It How about is December that? this year. There's a bunch of college bowl games after the playoff games. You know what I really get a kick out of? Mm. Iowa State gets into the college football playoff. They run the table. And they're in and they don't get to play in January? And they get beat. They still haven't played in the January bowl game cycle, oh, fans. Sorry. Oh, yeah. You know somebody would be holding that over there. Oh, and it's part of the rivalry. It right? is. I will right, we'll take a timeout. Zuba Mahente joins the program next. Yeah, the, th- the, the tie-ins for the Big 12. Oh, stinkers. Alamo Bowl's probably the prime it, destination. It's listed number two. It is Alamo Camping World, Texas Bowl. Yuck. Liberty. Yuck. Cheese it. Armed okay. Forces. Uh, is that in Washington? Is that the game they play in Washington? I was thinking either that or Dallas. I'm not sure. They play it somewhere in the country, though. It's not <laughs> the International Bowl in Toronto. Like they used to have. Yeah, and that's gone now, right? Yeah, that, yeah that's gone. Uh, Zuma Mahente joins the program next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. You like this one? I do. Are you a fan? Yeah, I like this song. Don't have it in the mix very often. You don't. In fact, maybe this is the first one. I like it. Yeah, put that one in the rotation. Uh, Let's get Zuba Mahente in here. He's in Tuesday's rotation most weeks, this one being no different. Hello, Zubin, Trent, and Ken. How are you? Good, good. Real good. Looks like we'll at least get, I was talking to Trent in the break, we'll at least get five in the NBA, hopefully a little bit more. Stanley Cup down to a best of Three, uh, 
pretty good time of year, no doubt. Indeed. Who'd have thought the Raptors would win it in five? Anyways, let's. <laughs> but, well, that's not what you guys were talking about. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, Zoom. I want to get your take on Kevin Warren, who, as we speak, is being introduced as Jim Delaney's successor, the next commissioner of the Big Ten. There were a number of names that were thrown out when Delaney, back in what early March, late February, announced that he's going to be stepping down. Kevin Warren's name was not one of them, but by oh boy, looking at his resume, Zubin, what an accomplished individual. Huge shoes to fill, uh, but Kevin Warren looks as though he's up to the part. We shall see. Yeah, I think this is one of the tougher ones to replace because this is a guy in Delaney that I got to give him a ton of credit. You know, he was a hardliner for a really long time, and he stuck to his guns, which I think a lot of us can appreciate. But at the same token, he's an old-school guy. He's an old guy and an old-school guy. But he was able to evolve a lot quicker than a lot of his younger contemporaries. I think he's been much quicker to the punch than, say, Larry Scott, who's been heavily criticized by a lot of his fans in the Pac-12. He's the younger guy that came in with a lot of gusto. And Delaney just sort of rode the course. Uh, BTN wasn't first, but it was the first major one, the Mountain West Conference. Right. A good point. small television yep. network when I lived out there in Denver called the Mountain. And it appealed to the geographic footprint of the Mountain West Conference, which was a good idea. But obviously it was never going to resonate because you don't have mm-hmm. the undergraduate enrollment at those Mountain West schools that you do at some of the big tier institutions uh, in the Big Ten, like Penn State, especially Ohio State's uh, undergraduate enrollment. So I got to say... Yeah, I'm sure this guy will be in good shape. He's obviously accomplished, like you said. But I think the work that Delaney did to set up BTN, um, to make sure the league was going to be there, to scream when the last three Big Ten conference champions have not made mm-hmm. the college football playoff, um, I think he was a very appropriate dose, Ken, in my opinion, of old school, but realizing if we don't embrace the new school, we're going to get left behind. So, like I said, his predecessor, excuse me, his successor is going to be set up for success. And there'll be a few challenges for him, too, because I would imagine the BTN money moving forward won't be what it used to be, because mm-hmm. obviously the way that we're all consuming content now. So, that'll be a big challenge. And we'll have to see if there's any super conference realignment. Those are things down the line. But I think anybody that succeeds this guy has to give this guy a hearty handshake to say, you've really put me in a great position to succeed. The one concern with the continued changing evolution of television, college sports, the money that is being funneled in is he doesn't have that kind of background. Incredibly accomplished, as Ken mentioned. He's been involved in a lot of different things and as the chief financial officer for an NFL team, I don't think that's going to be a big deal. But he hasn't been at the negotiating table with Fox and ESPN. And as things evolve, as things change, as more and more becomes digital and goes online, it's going to be a different world. I guess that would be maybe the one hang-up with him is he just doesn't have that same kind of background. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing there, I would say, is after a while, though, in my opinion, Trent, once you realize how lucrative of a product you have, I think you quickly gain the advantage and kind of know where you're going. I think what's really interesting is if you continue to look at it, um, how much there's a, there's a perception here that the right fees bubble is going to burst. But I'm on the other side. Um, at this particular point, I think the more competitors you bring into the table, like so for the next round of negotiations, let's just say it's your usual ABC, ESPN, Fox, CBS for the SEC, Notre Dame on NBC, but they've generally stayed out of the fray on anything else. 
But if Amazon really wants to be serious about it, if Facebook wants to be serious about it, if Google wants to be serious on it, uh, to try to get in, whether it's in the streaming space or Apple wants to get in on it, to me, that's just going to drive the price up. So when I hear things about the rights bubble bursting, I think to myself, the next round of negotiations are actually going to have more competition. And the majority of those companies I mentioned seem to almost have a bottomless pit of money. Google, Facebook, Amazon, even though I know Facebook's entangled in some legal wranglings at this moment. So I tend to think if you're in a position like him, you look at it and say, yeah, it's a brave new world out there. And do we want to be the first network that goes more streaming, more phone than uh, TV? Where do we want to be in five years, 10 years? What's technology going to look like in five or 10 years? I don't think he knows. I don't think anybody knows. But I do think you're going to have more negotiations at the table, more suitors interested. And therefore, maybe you go from a position of relative inexperience. I don't really know about negotiating TV deals from his perspective and say, hey, this is like any negotiation. We used to have three people at the table, and now we've got double or more than double that, and everybody's going to try to outbid each other uh, because this is really lucrative and it's DVR-proof and all the things you hear about live sports. So my guess is by the time that this comes around for the renegotiation, there's going to be even more suitors, and I think that's going to help him curb his inexperience by essentially saying, you know, I might not be as savvy and as experienced. I'll have a lot of great people around me, obviously. This is a multi-platform thing with many people involved, but he'll also be in a position where my guess is he'll be able to even do better than Delaney because somebody's going to be out willing to do somebody else when it comes to finally cutting that check. So I think he's going to be okay because I think the next go around, there's going to be more suitors which probably means more money for the Big Ten. Uh, Zubin, let's uh, switch to the NBA. It's a fascinating series so far. It's tied up at one apiece. I think the Raptors and their fan base are going to look back at Sunday night and think, you know what, they, uh, what, what might have been had only gone, uh, game two, uh, gone their way. And they certainly had many open looks and just couldn't finish. Uh, you got injuries all over the floor for Golden State. Thompson was unbelievable in the first half. He gets, uh, he gets hurt. Of course, Looney, uh, leaves the basketball game. This one, one's going to bite them in the you-know-what, Zubin, that they weren't able to go up to nothing, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the 18-0 run, 20-0, if you stretch it back to the final two points of the second quarter, it's just rough. I mean, there's just nothing you can do. You just feel like you're there and you're getting blitzed, but you're right. KD's not healthy. Curry was mouthing during the game that he didn't feel well. He had a stomach bug. Uh, Kerr said he was dehydrated. Kevon Looney is now basically out for the series with a collarbone injury. They called it a left chest contusion at the time, but he's done. Obviously, Clay Thompson hamstrings the situation. So you've got all four of those, and you still can't win. I think, you know, I was talking to Trent during the break. For the first time, seemingly, in the entire playoffs, uh, because he's had such a great ride, he's done such a good job. A lot of criticism on Nick Nurse for the boxing one, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Nick Nurse. In our postgame show the other day, uh, we had a graphic that showed uh, how far all of the Raptors defenders were away from Andre Iguodala on that last shot. And it was like a huge margin, like nobody was even close to him. But I'm gonna, I had to stick up for Nurse there because, you know, not often do I want to poo-poo what we're putting on the screen. But right. I said, hey, listen, come on now. I mean, the final seconds of that game and the sequence in which everybody's talking about, Steph Curry was double-teamed, which is what everybody would do if Steph Curry had the ball in that situation. Steph Curry was double-teamed, and Clay Thompson was out of the game. You know, so in that particular stance, I mean, I think he did exactly what most people would do, whether they're coaches or fans, or if you just gave somebody a scenario. Double team the best shooter on earth. We don't have to worry about the second best shooter on earth because he's in the locker room. And let a guy 
that's more known for being a defender, that's now coming off the bench, beats you if he can beat you. I don't think it had anything to do with disrespect. There was a lot of things tossed out after the game about why Iggy was so open. But I got to stick up for Nick Nurse here. You double-team the best guy. And when they double-team Steph Curry, you know uh, Kawhi Leonard almost picked that pass off. Mm-hmm. So it almost ended up working out well for the Raptors. So you're right, it's a tough break. That big blitz at the start of the second half looked like it couldn't have been overcome. And there the Raptors were in the final minute with a legit chance to try to get right back into the game. But I couldn't really, I was really disappointed with the way the people were going after Nick Nurse because I felt he did it right. You know, he double teamed the guy, tried to make sure he didn't take the shot, which happened. He almost forced him into a turnover. And then, yeah, somebody beats you with an open shot with 5.9 uh, to go. It's a tough way to lose, but I don't think the Raptors' late game execution was as bad as people say it was. Who was it? Will Bond? Was it Legler? Who do we got to yell at here? Let's get the Iowans after him. Nick Nurse, that decision to go to the box and one completely shut the Warriors down. They got back into the game, and I would argue if they were better offensively during the last four minutes, Toronto steals that game. Could have, and yes. it was the decision to go to the box and one with eight minutes left that led to that completing shutting Steph Curry down. So who was it? I'm going after him. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, Trent, I would say that I, if I'm not mistaken, the Iggy basket, the Iggy three, that was like their first point. Not even field goal. That was like their first point in the last five or yes. so ish minutes of the game. Yeah. So I think it definitely worked. I think a lot of people, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, I think a lot of people think that that sort of defense, because it's so rarely seen in the NBA and is more likely to be seen at like a weekend rec league with your kids, <laughs> that's why it was criticized so heavily. Because honestly, even guys like LeBron weren't drawing boxes in one. Even guys like Michael weren't drawing a box in one. Now, granted, the game was a little more physical back then. He just threw Michael to the ground or whatever it was back in the 80s or 90s. But I think some people were just so horrified and appalled to see a boxing one being used on the biggest stage in the NBA. But to your point, Trent, I thought it worked. It was another example of people sort of getting all over Nick Nurse where I don't think uh, it was warranted. So I just think it was one of the rare sightings on the most competitive stage in hoops where you see like such an elementary defense, which you teach kids when they're 10 or 11 years old. Let's put somebody on the best player and let's just space out the rest of the court. It's just something you don't see in the NBA. Um, and I think he got kind of, you know, vilified for it. But again, I don't think Nick Nurse did a terrible job uh, at all. I mean, I just think there are certain things that, you know, you have to give credit to Steve Kerr for. When he started DeMarcus Cousins in place of Jordan Bell and Cousins had a double-double. Draymond Green was one assist short of his fourth straight triple-double yeah. in the NBA playoffs. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. And, uh, you know, Cousins is in an interesting spot. I mean, he's got a, he's got a star-cross injury cross career. I don't think anybody is going to be willing to give him a long-term deal knowing his injury history. But if he continues to play well here during the finals, I think somebody might give him a one-year prove-it deal, the way Golden State gave him a one-year prove-it deal. And who knows, if Kevin Durant leaves and Boogie Cousins continues to play well and he's the reason they win these NBA finals, maybe he's back with Golden State. Now, that's one thing nobody thought would happen. He got a one-year $5 million deal. He'll take it. He'll get healthy. He came back 45 days after a torn quad, which is way quicker than most people would come back from an injury like that. So maybe this is setting up for Boogie Cousins to stay in Golden State, which I think was something that really nobody thought was possible when he signed the deal early. 
Steve Kerr wanted to get 20 minutes of uh, from him on, on Sunday night. I ended up playing 28, and as you mentioned, he had the double-double. But I'm here, Zubin. I, I honestly believe Draymond Green has been the MVP of this series so far for Golden State. You talked about the double-doubles you know, going back into the last round in Game 1. He had the, tri- the triple-double, rather, had a triple-double, was a, a rebound away from duplicating that uh, in Game 2. And his defense has been, it's been unbelievable. You saw when he was switched over to... Uh, uh, to take uh, Siakam out of the game. That's exactly what he did. I think Draymond Green's been the most, most important warrior on the floor of these first two games. I would agree. You know, Clay scored the first eight points on Sunday night. He scored 11 of the first 13. I think he finished with 25 before the injury. But when you watch the game, Draymond, almost a box score doesn't do him justice. Not that a triple-double needs to be validated. But from the jump, he's just always involved on Sunday. He's bringing the ball up. He's beaten the Raptors down the court for an easy two going end-to-end. He's picking up huge rebounds. And I think he's an unsung guy because if you look at it and say, when everybody's coming up for a max deal, Curry's one of the few superstars on this team that's actually signed beyond next season, but obviously he's getting his money and he obviously deserves it. He's changed the way basketball is played. Kevin Durant's going to get his money somewhere. Clay Thompson's up this summer. He'll get his money somewhere. And there have just been a train of thought that if you take a look at the Warriors' big four, and I'm going to put Draymond here in the big four with KD, Curry, Steph, uh, and Draymond, the first three are going to get paid or have gotten paid. And there's the school of thought that Draymond Green is going to be the odd man out. Like He will not get paid. He won't get max money. Um, his body breaks down a little bit easier than those other guys. Um, he's not going to be a max player for them. But I just think he is perfect for them. Um, he fills every void. He's a great intangible player. And, you know, Peter Guber and Joe Lacob, the guys that own the Warriors, have basically said, we don't want to do what a lot of other super teams have done. We don't want to stand here while Phil Jackson, Scotty Pippen, and Michael Jordan, Jerry Krause break apart and say, well, it was good while it lasted. We want to keep this thing going as long as possible. And they have basically said, we will pay everyone to stay here if everyone wants to stay, and we will go wildly over the luxury tax. Lacob famously a few years ago uh, publicly boasted, and he did not make a lot of friends saying this, that the Warriors and the New York Times, you said, were light years ahead of the rest of the NBA. And that was taken as a very hubris, arrogant statement. But it's actually been proven to be pretty accurate. So it's one of those things where will Draymond get that money? That's to your point, Ken. He's been the most effective guy on both ends of the floor. But it still remains to be seen whether they will reward him the way they will presumably reward those other three guys. If I'm a betting man, I would say Draymond would not get the money even though I think he's just a perfect, unique fit for this team. And I don't think Draymond is in it for a hometown discount anymore. I think he's proven his worth, and I think he's ready for max money. And it'll be a really interesting staring contest to see if he gets it. Now, that would be after next season, not this season, after next season. Can he do it again? Can the Warriors do it again? What's he going to look like with another year on his body? I don't know. But I think that'll be the ultimate staring contest. Will they give Dre the money? The other guy's pretty simple call. We'll see what happens to Draymond Green. Impending free agency for Kevin Durant. People continue to wonder, as banged up as this Warriors team is, from Steph to Clay, Looney out for a while, Cousins is out there, but he's certainly not 100%. On and on and on. Are we going to see Kevin Durant? What's your opinion? I think we are going to see him late in the series, and obviously it's setting up to be a situation where I think two things are going to happen. One, um, if he doesn't play, and they lose the series. Uh, I think we mentioned this last week. But if he doesn't play and they lose the series, 
then the whole Kevin Durant, they're better without him theory, is out the window. And I think Kevin Durant would very quietly love that. Or maybe he'd very publicly love that on social media. I don't know. But I think that's hanging out there for him. I do think, I think Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports used to work with us here at ESPN. He reported he would go in game four. Obviously, there's going to be at least a minimum of a game five. So I do think you're going to see Kevin Durant for the simple reason that I, this may sound a little faint. I don't think there's any reason for him to travel with the team unless he was close. And I think you stay in the Bay Area. It's a cast drain. You want to stay off of it as much as possible. And by him traveling with the team to Toronto for games one and game two, if there was no chance of him playing in the series, I'm not really sure he would have done it. I don't think there's like a, hey, I just want to be there to help the guys out. I think he would do whatever it would take to get himself uh, ready to go. So I think that's one issue. When you see him travel, you've got to kind of believe he's getting closer. Second thing is Steve Kerr said the other day that he would be willing to play Kevin Durant after one practice. So if he got out there after one practice and looked good, that would be enough for Kerr to play him. So there does seem to be some sort of inclination here by their actions and by Kerr's words to say, if I see enough, we're ready to go. I don't think they worry at all about moving him back into the offense or implementing him back into the offense. When you have that sort of game, it can work anywhere with anybody. And obviously they've learned how to play with him and without him. The numbers are pretty stark how well they've played uh, without him. So I think you're going to see him at some point here in this series. Not sure when, but all the signs and all the things that they keep talking about seem to indicate that he's kind of close. Uh, last thing, Zubin Mahente, ESPN, is our guest. Zubin, uh, the NFL's collective bargaining agreement expires at the end of the 2020 season. Apparently, the talks have already begun between the league, the commissioner, uh, and the Players Association. For Goodell to go public, and and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, say that it's not in the best interest of the league anymore to play four preseason game, uh, games, which has been you know an outcry from uh, NFL fan bases around the entire league that don't want to pay for those you know those two extra games for meaningless football does this sound like to you that a the negotiations have begun which is great if indeed they have but maybe more importantly from where we sit that uh expansion of the regular season is clearly on the table not that the players are going to you know uh just acquiesce and say sure that's good for us but it sounds like they're talking maybe about expanding the regular season at the expense of preseason, which nobody will miss. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad call to say the preseason doesn't matter because you know fans are paying, season ticket holders are paying for these tickets that they don't attend. I don't think a lot of the players want to take part in preseason games. Now, to your point, Ken, if they were to be complimented on the back end by regular games, now I'm guessing if you paid the players Let's say you add two more games. If you, you want to give them 18 checks, I bet you they take 18 checks to play those 18 mm-hmm. games. I don't think they want to take 16 checks to play 18 games. So, obviously, I think at this particular point, if you want to increase the regular season schedule and thereby increase revenue, of course, you'll have to increase the salary cap to make that a reality as well uh, because of those two extra games. I think it's something that needs to be broached. I think the other thing, too, over the years, and this is something that Goodell doesn't get a lot of credit for, because largely he's been sashed in the press by the media and DeMarie Smith, and that's DeMarie's job, to get the best thing he can for the players, and basically he has to do that by combating the guy that represents the owners. But for a very long time, Gene Upshaw and uh, Paul Tagliabue had a very cordial relationship. 
perspective. I mean, I remember years and years and years, labor unrest wasn't as big of a deal back then. It was a much bigger deal in baseball and hockey and guys like Don Keir would get involved. But if you look at it from a football perspective, very often there would be no deal between the NFL and its Players Association. Again, it wouldn't be covered as harshly. But then in the last 24 hours, Paul Tagliabue and Gene Upshaw would get together and they would just broker a deal and it would be over. And there was actually some discussion that the two were a little bit too cozy in terms of striking a deal. I think Goodell has learned from the previous negotiations that he's been absolutely burned and he's been absolutely ripped by the players and the fans. And this time around, get out in front of it. And the best way to get out in front of it is to just basically make a plea for something we can all agree on, whether you're a player, a broadcaster, a fan, or an owner. The preseason is a little silly. It is a little weird to play these games in front of half-empty stadiums with guys that aren't even going to be on the team but in a week's time. So I think he took an issue that we all can agree on as fans and as people involved in the game and say, all right, we need to do something here. This is a common-sense solution. Try to get some public goodwill on his side, and we'll see what happens. But I think a lot of this just goes back to the fact that uh, he has not had very smooth negotiations the way that his predecessor did. His predecessor was also coming from a high position of strength. I think most people believe Tagliabu had a little bit of an advantage over Gene Upshaw, which is why sometimes those negotiations were strong-darmed at the last minute. I don't think Goodell has much of an advantage PR-wise or popularity-wise over the players. So you've got to find some common ground and something to say, you know what, that Goodell guy makes a lot of sense. Let's get rid of the preseason. So I think it's probably a preemptive strike. We'll see what happens, though, because at the end of the day, they're going to want some more money for social justice reform. I think the NFL released something today where they're going to give about $20 million. Uh, and then, obviously, at the end of the day, raising the cap if they were to add more games. So I think this is just a start, but probably a good one, though. Zubin, uh, we're short on time, so another week for you to figure out the 30 for 30 that hasn't been made. We talked last week about the new one with the competitive eating and to- <laughs> and everything in there. So you got another week to stew on it and figure out what the 30 for 30 you're going to take to the bosses is, all right? All right, I'll have it for you this time next week. Michelle. Look forward to it. Thank you, Zubin. Appreciate it, as always. Good to talk to you. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Zuba Mahente from ESPN. Keith Murphy with a little breaking news. Mike Woodley stepping down at Grandview. Ah, yes. I, I got a little birdie that was mentioned. That starting a football program in South Dakota. Now it says TBA, so now you're even going Whoa. forward in the breaking news. Trent Condon with I, the breaking news. I, I still don't have the sounder on the button bar here. I got to get this going. Breaking news. Yeah, he's starting a football program in South Dakota. My son Joe is taking over yep. the uh, program. So, uh, so th- is that... So when did you get that? Because I, I hadn't seen that. Sunday. Did you? Yeah. Was it on? Was it public? No. I got sources. Broken. You must. I got sources. I don't break stories because I'd probably screw it up. I'd break it wrong or something. Well, I'll um, leave that to the Keiths of the world. And he just uh, broke it that uh, Mike uh, Woodley is stepping down, but uh, destination unknown. Now we know. Oh, I know. Trent Condon. Good work out of UTC. We'll take a time out. We'll come back finish things up. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. <laughs> Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Point Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. No NBA? No. No NHL? 
Full slate of baseball. Full slate of MLB. Your twins are in Cleveland. Devin Smeltzer, the left-hander who made his debut last week. He was uh, a great story. Didn't get the win, but was terrific. And then the Cubs tonight, they will put Hendricks on the mound. The Cardinals are up against Luis Castillo in the Cincinnati Reds. Pretty good night of baseball, potentially shaping up, TC. Not too bad. Can't complain. How about the White Sox early 605 against the Nationals? Mm. Not bad, no? Mm. White Sox are... Playing better. They're second place, are they not? In they the, are tied with the Indians right. going into the series, right. and I think we're going in the coming years. Talking more White Sox. Giolito's been outstanding. He's been unbelievable. He'll come up in the uh, interview tomorrow with Cappy, who yes. joins us on Wednesday. Juan Moncada, he yeah. is certainly showing why they went after him. Pretty good team. Pretty no, good team. Indeed they are. So it's MLB tonight. As we mentioned, David Kaplan joins the program tomorrow. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. We are grateful for them for that. Trent and I will be at Principal Park tomorrow where there is day baseball. If you have any plans for lunch, it's going to be a beautiful day, son. Yeah. Forecast, 80s, and then a whole bunch of rain. So, beautiful day to be outside. What a better place to be than Principal Park. Murph and Andy next at 2. The Fanatics at 4. The Morning Rush will start it again tomorrow. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO.